It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm so excited that you are tuning in today. If you've picked up what we've been talking about the last couple weeks, I hope you've been encouraged as we have examined how to have patience in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of adversity, how do we how do we calm ourselves and put our eyes wholly on Jesus Christ in that and, and truly be salt and light in this world of darkness, in this place that feels like at times of, of chaos? And if you've been attentive to the news as of late, uh, you know what I'm talking about, that we are living in some very interesting times and it's hard to assess what is truth out there. Well, we want to continue in this vein of thought here today. And to help me do that, I have a very special guest whom I'm hoping will actually be a a bit of a co-host here on Engage in Truth. So I want you to get to hear his voice and and hear his heart, Uh, Dr. Steve Ford. He's a dear friend of mine, and we have just really enjoyed some conversations over a meal or two. It just seems like we just have a love for talking about the things of the Lord and and eschatology and really getting into his word together. Dr. Steve, it is so, what a wonderful joy, a privilege, a blessing to my heart just to have you with me here on the show and and, and to really help take things up a notch as we just explore the depths of God's holy word. Well, thank you, John. It's so great to be here and you're just a a brother in Christ. I just love you so much and love your message and your word and your ministry, and it's just meant so much to myself, to my family. I've learned so much from you. And as John said, we'll get together and we'll share a meal and share the gospel. And it's just a time of joy and revelation and rejoicing in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're just here today to continue that and just Amen. another opportunity for us to do that and, and to praise his name. Well, you've been an incredible encouragement to me. And uh, always uh, challenging me a, a little bit too on some of the questions you've asked me uh, when we've ha- had a ch- chance to get together and just talk about some of these things. I love that. And I feel like our listeners do that too. They have sent me questions time and time again of just wanting to understand a little bit more. What does scripture say about this? H- how do I get uh, equipped for this particular question that may arise? And I think that's what we're here to do, quite frankly. We are the trying to equip the saints for the work of ministry of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. And you and I have started talking about eschatology because there's been a lot going on around us. Uh, and, and I know that there are many who are listening right now who have a lot of questions about right, this. Right. And uh, you were one of those who encouraged me to write a book, and I did that. I put together this book uh, revelation unraveling the mysteries, and uh, it was a, a very heart-filled project. I, I mean, it took a lot of time. I think that's probably one of the blessings that came out of all that time we had during COVID nineteen, when places were closing down. And uh, here as a church, we were trying to decide: okay, do we stay open? How do we navigate this? And throughout that, I, I put all this attention into saying we're going to this three-year project is now going to come together into some kind of a packaged format to give this content where we spent 18 months on this study at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley, and people have a lot of questions. Now seems to be the time to put this out there. So you put together all these wonderful questions for me about this book, and I wasn't in a mindset of talking about the book today, but you you encouraged me, and I've, I've obviously it's appropriate given what the headlines have been 
covering these days and what's happening in these United States. So I, I am all ready to answer some of the questions that you have, some of the questions that I know our listeners may have. So let's just jump into the study of eschatology. Let's talk a little bit about the end of days, about the book of Revelation. So hit me. What, what's the first question you have for me, Dr. Steve? Well, that sounds great. <laughs> Thank you, John. And and there were a number of questions as I read the book that came up. And I have to say, as a preface, I really appreciated the pastoral feel to the book. Uh, uh, not only as I had read a number of books on the book of Revelation, a lot of information out there, a lot of interpretation out there. Mm-hmm. But with your book, there was also a, with this in mind, how should that affect the way that we live, the way that we worship, yeah. the way that we lead? Um, so it just addressed so many parts of our Christian walk other than just the facts of the book of Revelation itself, really uh, how then should we live as disciples of Jesus Christ. So I just really appreciated that aspect, which was lacking in many of the other books that I'd read. So that was really just, it was a wonderful blessing to me. So I really appreciated that. One of the questions that I had from the get-go really was based on that. There are so many books out mm-hmm. there already. How and why did you decide to write a book of your own? Well, I, uh, okay, so it got, kind of going back to what I just mentioned, that we had this three years of just studying prophecy. I, I mean, these are questions that come up constantly. That is, we look at end-time prophecy. I, I didn't want another book out there that it's an author's interpretation of what may other may, maybe what others have interpreted, right? So you end up with somebody years ago interpreted the text, right. then then somebody else's interpretation of their interpretation, right. and then it's compounded over the years, and then we find ourselves so far removed from what the Bible actually said that we are now quoting and citing somebody else's quotation of someone else's quotation that actually isn't found in Scripture at all. I mean, so these were some of the burdens of my heart. Let's just go back to what the Scripture says. It took three years to do that. And what came out of this was an 18-month study at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. The good, the bad, and the ugly. There are things in there that are hard to hear. And as a pastor, when you address some of those topics, you get a little anxious are they ready for this? Are they ready to hear some of these things? Have somebody has there is there somebody right now who's come in? All they wanted was a feel good message of the year, right. and they were right. looking for you know that encouragement for the week. And we're talking about you know the Antichrist, or we're talking about a, a third judgment that has come. You know where the trees are being burned and the waters being polluted. And uh, okay, that's hard to hear. And so what we decided to do is, and I just say not we, we as a team, I, I often kind of get the label of I've done all of this myself. This is a, a lot of folks and their work on this. In fact, we cite some of the best of uh, Chuck Missler, John MacArthur, trying to pull everything together, trying to pull together like the, the best of curriculum. If you're going to teach the book of Revelation, here it all is. And it was 278,818 words when we were done, and this comprised now 31 chapters, 736 pages, and 4,309 cross-references to 65 different books in the Bible. Wow. Okay, so that was the intent, was to say, we're not going to just look at the book of Revelation now. We're going to look at all 18 prophetic books in the Bible to get it all, to pull the whole thing together. Because, you know, apocalypsis means a disclosure or an unveiling. It's not to be this hidden thing. But it is a revealed thing. It's not to be this 
mystery for, uh, there are a lot of mysteries in Scripture, but often when we read about prophecy, we just think about mystery. We don't, uh, well, that's that's all such a big allegory of one giant metaphor. It's not really a literal thing, and we get confused. It's too big for us to understand, so we, we backpedal and just ignore it altogether. In fact, there are many pastors who won't even teach on the book of Revelation because it's People have such an opinion about prophecy in general. So it's all about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what the book of Revelation is right out of the gate. Verse 1, 1. If if people were into the red letter edition of their Bible, this is Jesus who's giving this. John was just the the pen. I mean, Jesus is the one who's giving the final capstone to the entire canonized text. It deserves our undivided attention. So he's the, the central figure of this. It's about his power, his plan, the future revealed through Jesus. It's a 7,000-year look into the plan of God to bring judgment and redemption from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of the New Jerusalem. I mean, it's that whole journey coming together. And he didn't give us prophecy so that we become some sort of self-made prophet. Uh, He didn't give it so that we would predict then who the Antichrist is, what the beast is, and and we're the one who's going to raise our hand and say, I have identified the person. Right, I mean, and there are all those who come out and say, "Well, I know exactly when it's going to be too." I, I mean, I remember 1986. I was handed the copy of 1980 Countdown to Armageddon, right? And in it, there was a whole thesis of 1988 being the end of the world, and all of the argument that was made to that case. And then 1988 comes and goes, and then the reputation of the church takes a hit because we've made this big case and. Well, then the, the end didn't come, right? So uh, Matthew 24, 36 tells us for a reason that we're not to know this. We don't know the day or the time, but we can discern the seasons. We can discern the times accordingly. So uh, men have been trying to predict the coming of the Lord Jesus, I mean, really since the beginning. Uh, I mean, really since the, when the moment he ascended up into heaven, we've been trying to look for his coming. Right. And uh, he tells us in Matthew 24, 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Okay, so we've been given this instruction to watch. And, and then generations before us come and go, and they're watching, and they're keeping an eye. And, and Peter reminds us, don't stop watching. Even when, when they come and they speak against you and mock you for looking, keep being discerning and watching and looking, because he is coming. And then what happens in all of this, as I mentioned, the Hal Lindsey book that I read, all of these other books keep coming, and all of these different perspectives keep coming, and we're saturating the marketplace with ideas, and some of them are counter to one another, and you're like, well, if the Holy Spirit's in that, how, how would, is the Holy Spirit in that book, but not this book? And, and, and then we get confused as a Christian audience, because, I mean, they think about even some of our local uh, authors, I mean, the Left Behind series, you know, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, that, that series had 17 best-selling novels uh, combined, they sold more than 65 million books. It's unbelievable. Then you had the Harbinger, Blood Moons, the Late Great Planet Earth, the Mark, Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth. I mean, I have a whole shelf filled with all of these. And the book sales of all of this, it, there's, this is a $20 billion business, $400 million annually through the various genres, 13 million units on end-time study alone. And get this, the zombie apocalypse studies, that, that's a $5 billion business, okay? So everybody is claiming to have some answers of the end times, and they're, they're making a lot of money on that. And all of this increased about 70% after September 11th. So we have to be really careful. 
I mean, really careful when we study. And that's what we wanted to do with this particular book is get back to the source. Let's look at the Greek. Let's look at the Hebrew, even the Aramaic. Let's, let's understand exactly what was being said. And let's not try to plug in every headline into the Bible now, right? Because it's, it's modern, it's current, it's relevant right now. Therefore, this must be what it was saying. And, and therefore, you know, we try to make it fit the moment. And, and that's a very dangerous place to be when you're using biblical prophecy uh, to, to make a case for what's happening. And I, I think that Dr. Tony Evans said it so well. He said, Jesus may not come today. He may not come tomorrow. He may not come when you want him to. But when he does, you can bet he'll be right on time. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. And there's so much out there right now. And, and I really, I appreciate your point of, of just speculation based on speculation based on speculation. <laughs> and pretty soon it's six degrees of separation and we're no longer close to scripture. That's right. And this yeah. is a great book for just getting us back to the Lord. And as I read the book and you pointed out that it, this really is Jesus revealing himself, his heart, revealing God's heart, revealing God's plan, that this is really a big red letter chapter. Amen. Was eye opening for me. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. And another question that I had was, what sets your book apart from the books that are already out there? I think we've discussed that a little bit. Is there anything else you'd we like have, to add We have. We have. Let me just give a very clear, uh, uh, maybe it's a one or two sentence indication of what this book is, because uh, I have had people who were very uh, pro-Israel and, and people I respect very much a little concerned initially when I started to talk about the book of Revelation because there are so many perspectives that seem to be anti-Israel, anti-Semitic even. And, and we're like, well, how did, is that still true? Is that still ring true today? Because we, we find there's such an emphasis of global events and the Gentile nations. We forget about Romans chapter 11 of the restoration of the broken branches and God's plan of restoration for Israel. And God is a God of covenant. He is going to keep his covenant. He is going to renew and restore Israel. And the Gentiles are also inheritors, as we see that we, we have now received this amazing blessing. It's not a replacement theology at all, right. but, but a culmination of going into all the world, salvation for the world, those who would call on the name of the Lord, that they would be saved. And so here's the sort of the, uh, the technical description here that would hopefully ease, put to, put to rest some of the minds out there who may be thinking this is one perspective or another. Uh, this is an eschatological position, okay? And, and what I take is a classic, a classical one here through the lens of a literal method of interpretation, okay? And what that means is a grammatical historical method with a futuristic approach and an emphasis on the restoration of the tribes of Israel and a pre-millennial view, that's, that's a mouthful. Most people are like, I have no idea what you just <laughs> said. Okay, well, uh, if you use time-tested hermeneutics, proper exegesis through all of this, not assuming that everything is an allegory or a metaphor just because it's bigger than what we can fully imagine in this, uh, you can actually start to see some of the, the astounding correlations throughout Scripture where the magnitude of what happened in Egypt if it was that real for Egypt, and Joshua cites that the other nations knew right. what happened in Egypt. It wasn't a metaphor at all. It wasn't an allegory. These were real judgments that happened. These were real events that took place. And so when you take a literal interpretation of the text, you're safer there. You're not going to leave it to the whims and imaginations of man. 
uh, that's what happens when we when we see these massive displays of God's power and it's beyond the human imagination or is that really going to affect the whole world in that way? Maybe that's just the Mediterranean Sea that he's talking about. Maybe it's not all the oceans or all of the trees or all these things that all the cities that are impacted. It, it's it's probably regional. Well, they said the same thing about the flood, right? right? Uh, you know, those you'd find a National Geographic special or History Channel, they couldn't uh, try to, it, it, rather than even trying to argue the flood, well, now they're going to just make the case, well, it's, it was a regional flood. Right. Okay, so so now it's, it, we're, we've already made one step. Now you're acknowledging there was some evidence of a flood, but you're not ready to go that it was the whole world that was impacted this way. I say all of this because the evidence of scriptures indicate uh, the truth of how God has worked even when it is beyond human comprehension, you take it at face value, exactly what it says. We, we take that in proper exegesis. Sometimes there are metaphors. Sometimes, like you'll talk about the stars of heaven, and that might be an imagery of angels, but then some of the evidences might be a pronoun or two, the he. So suddenly the star is a he. I was like, okay, well, clearly it's not a star as we might think of an aster of a of an actual astronomical body. There's something uh, supernatural there. There's a, there's an angel that might be referenced. Those are the clues you look for and how you do proper exegesis of, of God's holy word. And and so I think that sets this book apart from probably most of the books that are out there because a lot of them will just try to summarize so much. This is a verse by verse. When you pick up this book, you're actually going to read the entire book of Revelation and many of the prophecies that go with it, as I mentioned, over four thousand citations. So you're gonna you're gonna read it for yourself. See how we basically take that apart, word for word, verse by verse, to come to these conclusions. So I'm trying to remove myself from the equation, right? I'm trying to take away all of the the, the possibilities of the error of man. That this is my interpretation. Now, be, I am mindful of the fact that I do have some very real opinions, and I do put those in there. But I want to cite that as very carefully, these are my opinions. Here's a theory based on what we have just read of what may be forthcoming. So I, I, I try to be very careful in that. But it, it really is a thorough study. This is not a light study at all. This is not going to be the summarized version of the book of Revelation. You are going to study it word for word in this particular study. Yeah. Well, that that's very characteristic of your teaching in general. It's, <laughs> it's not milk, it's solid food. Yeah. And, um, and, and definitely you walk away having learned something and, and you have something to think about at the end of the day and sometimes something to, to bring before the Lord for clarity. But I, I do believe that in the book, you were very intellectually honest when it was your <laughs> own opinion and, uh, and, well, and, and, and yeah, definitely stating that, that this is what scripture says. Now, this is my particular interpretation of this, but uh, I think it's also really important as I've heard pastors speak in the past that when you look at the Bible that you with as with other forms of literature that you have to pay attention to when it's literal, when it's metaphorical, I am the bread of life, which Jesus really bread, right? You know, that sort of thing. And so we do have to factor those things in, but literal is literal and we have to be willing to accept scripture for what it says and, and take that in and absorb it. And even if, if needs be, if we have to do that to be able to pray about it for the Lord's help to be able to do that. Right. Right. So, no, and, and as you just mentioned, there are clarities that are given in Scripture that this is a parable, or this right. is an image, an right. allegory, a representation of something uh, that w- we can we can use some good judgment to assess that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, through prophecy, it just seems, tends to be lumped together into 
that that's okay. I heard one. Let me. I've got to tell you this. <laughs> I I heard that one author was interviewed on a program, and I, I cite this in the book. And I'll leave to people who want to read this for themselves. I, I don't want to uh, badmouth anybody on the radio here, but uh, he, this particular author came up, and he he basically said that this whole thing was the the figment of the imagination of John as he was going through his own demons. Like he had some psychological issues that he was unraveling through that as he was coming to the knowledge and understanding of the Lord, that these were sort of the layers of his mind at work, and, and all of it was some sort of representation of his journey through his own mind. And it was absolutely blasphemous to the Lord, to the Scripture, and I know that Martin Luther even struggled with the book of Revelation. There was a reason why it took as long as it did to get added to the canonized text, because it was so awesome. And I believe that the extra due diligence to qualify it as being part of the canonized text, even though the churches were already using it, there were these councils that went through these studies of God's text they wanted to verify, check, and recheck, and make sure that if it's added as the capstone of this holy word, it, we're, we're going to make sure that we're going to stand behind this, even if we have questions of our own, even if we can't fully understand the magnitude of what we're reading. Um, that just shows God's hand has been all over this. And unfortunately, men have do, done their part to distort, convolute, create confusion on this, and that's the work of the enemy. So we just go right back to the original source. That, that's the way it should be. Right. I totally agree. And one of the things that we've talked about too, not only that there are so many books out there on Revelation, Revelation, but you know, recently as I listened to Christian radio, so many pastors talking about eschatology. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've listened to Christian radio for many years and I've never heard just from channel to channel to channel, what have you, <laughs> station to station, time to time, so many pastors uh, yeah. or we're in Daniel or we're in Revelation, you know, some yeah. form of eschatology. That's right. Why do you think that is? Why is it so concentrated right now? Why has it come to the fore in the way that it has at this particular time? I, it doesn't feel like, and I guess I should use that word with caution, uh, feel is a very dangerous word, but it, it seems as though uh, nearly every conversation we have with believers today, there's a, a burden on the heart that they feel like, feel, <laughs> that, that things are culminating rather quickly, uh, that there is a move towards the return of Jesus Christ. Some even feel like the uh, four horsemen have already been unleashed, um, that what we're seeing, that things don't make sense. There's a radical move in certain directions and changing of the guard and uh, the, the things that we just can't seem to put to words of how is this moving so quickly in certain directions. I, I, I find that it, if we just look at the study of the word just for a moment, we do this throughout the book, take words apart, say, let's, let's do a word study on this. I mean, even the word eschatology means last study. It, it's a study of end of things, the end of things. So we've been looking for Jesus since even as we were instructed to do as the bride of Christ that's ready for his return, that we don't want to be that bride with our lantern that's not ready, with the oil that's, that's prepared and that lantern burning brightly for the groom who's coming for his bride in Matthew chapter 25. But I mean, with coronavirus and the elections, the escalating tensions with Iran, Turkey and Egypt, Gog and Magog, all these activities, it makes people nervous. I mean, it, and then they're worried about what am I not being told if I'm turning on my regular news uh, sources that I'm supposed to trust and 
Do I trust them anymore? And now we're questioning who everybody is making up their own news. I mean, what's truth? And people are getting quite anxious. Um, I've even heard, uh, received these kind of questions about the coronavirus uh, vaccinations. Are somehow, are these attributed in some way to the mark of the beast? And I know we're not going to be able to cover that today. So we're kind of uh, hopefully getting people excited about the conversations we're about to have. But we'll get into that mark of the beast and what Scripture actually talks about. And that's what we want to do. Is what does the Scripture tell us and the sequence of events that lead up to that? Rather than just jumping to conclusions that somehow we've skipped most of the book of Revelation and jumped right to the mark of the beast, which is toward the latter part of the, this, uh, the end of days as described in the book of Revelation. There are many other things that happen before that, which would be obvious signs that we were in that sequence of events. Those have not yet occurred. So we need to be very cautious with just because something is scary, unfamiliar, the whole world's being impacted by this. This must be it. Well, it may be a precursor, certainly. And we can talk about that. But I think these are the things that are causing a lot of pastors to go out there and say, I, I need to finally talk about these things. So I, I know that <laughs> we have a lot to talk about on this subject, and it's unbelievable to me how quickly 25 minutes can go by. Uh, we've, we've got so much to cover, and uh, Dr. Ford, it is such a journey, a joy to go through all of this with you. I mean, you've been one of the biggest advocates for putting this book of Revelation together, getting all of this material together to equip the church, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it is such a joy to do this journey with you to talk about these things. So we got a lot more to cover. I, I know that. So would you come back and, and join us again and again, and, and we'll get through this together? Oh, definitely, John. This has been so much fun. The, the time has just flown by, and I hope it served to whet the appetite of everybody out there for more information and shows that we have yet to do. There's still a lot of information to cover, and this has just been such a, a great time with you, as it always is, when we share the love of Lord Jesus Christ together. Amen. And, and that's really the point of this. I mean, we can talk about a book, but our heart in this is that you, you just pick up God's holy word and read it for yourself. And right. what we need are some helps along the way. God has given some to be pastors and teachers and evangelists, and he's given us these gifts. And, and so that's, that's what we're here to do, is just to help you as you're listening to this broadcast today. And you're, you're thinking, well, I, I've got my own Bible. I can pick it up. And that's what we want you to do. Read it for yourself. Be familiar with God's holy word. And then you can pick up a resource like this to help you in your journey. It should just be a compliment, not one that changes uh, what scriptures say or, or, or convince you to think differently, and that's eisegesis. That's where we're putting our own thoughts into the Word. Let the text speak for itself and pray through it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you through this. We're just simply some tour guides along the way, and so we've got a lot more to cover in this topic. If you want to learn more about this Revelation book, it's called Revelation Unraveling the Mysteries. If, you, in fact, you want to go deeper with other believers who are studying this right now, you can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. And there you can click on a button that says, get involved. You'll learn more about this book, this resource. It's a tool to help you along the way. Not for the faint of heart, a very intense study, uh, probably bigger than most commentaries out there because it's a lot of content on this very serious subject that we're talking about here today. But you can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Get your book. Just simply request it. We'll get it out to you. Uh, there is just a, a charge, obviously, for the print. We're not looking to make any money on it. We just want to put this resource in your hands. 
Learn more, calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday. We would love to worship with you there and and answer any questions you may have in person. I want to thank you for listening today. This is going to be a several-week study, so stay tuned, stay with us, and I hope that you're just as excited as we are as we study God's holy word together. God bless you, my friends. Take care.